What about Jesse Merrick? What is he like? He's over there at News 3. I don't even know if Jesse gets a chance to even enjoy any entertainment because when Jesse is not in studio, Jesse's at the Raiders facility, Allegiant Stadium, or he's driving on whatever highway that is to go to Phoenix for about five and a half hours. What's going on, brother? What up, man? How you doing? Yeah, the life is busy, that's for sure. And uh, it, it does make it tough to catch some stuff with the holidays and family and stuff in town. I've caught my fair share of shows. I've actually seen O. And then I saw, um, what is it, Majestic? Or what's the one over at uh, the Mirage? Um, whatever Mister, 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 Mister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However the heck you say it. I thought those were both good. I, I liked them. But other than that, I haven't had much, much time to catch many shows. It's pretty much sports 24-7. <laughs> you got it, man. All right, so I got a chance to see you uh, in Phoenix there. And uh, what a what a crazy game uh, that was, huh, Jesse? I mean, I, I think yeah. I think the Jayhawks are still committing penalties, even though we left Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, and they're still not getting called for them either. Right? <laughs> oh, jeez, crazy man. I mean, they probably could have had three hundred yards of penalties, right? Yeah, they really could have, man. That, that was pretty wild, and some of them so blatant too. Uh, you know, I mean, the one the one that comes to mind just right off the top of the head is that one deep ball to uh, number eleven Grimes. I think was his name. Grimes. Yeah. Uh, they were going the opposite direction of us in the press box. And, like, yeah. so we were, like, a million miles away, and we could see it. I, I couldn't believe they didn't call that one. And not, that's not even being a homer. Like, that's objectively. Like, that was bad. It was. Um, yeah. You and see- that was the officiating most of the night. I, I know. I, I think you turned to me right away and go, he pushed off. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah. He pushed, I mean, there's no question. Hey, now our seats weren't that bad, Jesse. We're, we're behind home plate. I mean, come on yeah. now. I'd be great for a, di- cool. you know, you know, a, di- a Diamondbacks, uh, you know, Giants game or something. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, no, I thought the seats were great, you know, in terms of the press box and the view and whatnot. I had heard before, you know, that the, the angle was going to be a little weird, the way the press box and the field was set up and everything. But I, I was digging it, man. It wasn't too bad. Like, it kind of gave that, like, all-22 film look when you're looking at, like, the offensive and defensive line view uh, from the end zone. I, it wasn't too bad. When they were going away from us, yeah, it was a little little tough. But then when they came closer and whatnot, when they were driving towards us, it was fun. But uh I, I don't mind it at all. I kind of like looking and seeing the different vantage points at each venue. I, I thought that one was cool. I'd do it again. You know, uh, for me, it was like a flashback to going way back when when uh, when Candlestick Park used to host the 49ers, and they yeah. would bring out like those portable bleachers, and that's what you had in in this stadium. <laughs> and as you know, you know the cookie cutter stadiums like with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, they were a little different. Candlestick was 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 different. I don't know if you ever went to Candlestick back when you were a kid yep, or whatever. I've been there once before. Okay, so anyway, so you and I both we were we were on the field and you were on the field b- uh, before the game. So after halftime, I went down and I said, okay, I'm going to peruse around the field a little bit more and go like to the, to the different parks, uh, different sets of of, of the park there and watch different parts of the game. So I spent a little time in the bleachers because I had some friends on the UNLV side over there in those aluminum high school bleachers. That was cracking me up <laughs> because I, I had a friend of mine who spent $140 on a ticket to sit on aluminum bleachers. Oh, I mean, no. So that was kind of funny. Then I rolled over like behind the third base dugout and the Kansas fans were over there. So that was kind of cool. And then, I, I you know, at halftime, Jesse, I went back behind those bleachers and I'm standing in the middle of center field without a glove and they have like porta potties. They have other stuff there. And people that were in those bleachers, they had to basically go up like the right field line and go to the restrooms or concession stands through there. And they just had like this tarp that was behind those aluminum bleachers. Kids were back there playing. It, it reminded you of being like at a high school game or something like that. And I mentioned <laughs> Candlestick Park because I that was the, that was the scene back in those days for 49er games. It was just like really weird. 
that like okay, but on the flip side of that, like you said, I thought it was a really cool vibe. It was like kind of yeah. cool. It's kind of like you know being at a carnival or something. Like hey, let's let, let's check this angle out. You know, and as yeah. we know, both fan bases. I mean, they were pretty you know fired up, and they were going going at each other just like the players were. No, they definitely were. I mean, that was there was a ton of Kansas people, and and so you probably may have a better vantage point of this. I was actually talking to someone today about it. Where we were out in the press box, like the UNLV section was mostly under us. So I didn't really get a chance to see how packed it was over there. Like, were there a decent amount of UNLV fans that actually showed up? They seemed like they were loud. They were loud, but not nearly as many. I mean, Kansas had them probably by a three and a half or four to one ratio. I mean, yeah, they came look- out. I mean, there was a lot of Jayhawks fans there. That was that was wild. Yeah, yeah, but no, I thought it was uh, I thought it was uh, re- really cool here. And Jesse, quick take from you because I had talked about this earlier. I know there's some UNLV fans that are disappointed. There's no reason to be disappointed. No. <laughs> I mean, they lost their last three games, but you know, four games. But what, so what? I mean, remember where this team was. And I know that you know, you've been around here for the last few years, but I mean, there are many of us that remember those UNLV teams. You know, going back to the '90s and the early 2000s. This is one of the dormant programs in the history of college football. So for Rebel fans to be upset because they finished at 9-5 and five or they lost this game because their defense was atrocious, well, Kansas' defense was just as atrocious. And we know mm-hmm. that, the, you know, at least I feel, that the future is very bright here. So don't think that UNLV is going to revert back to a 3- or 4-win team anytime soon. I think Barrio's done a fantastic job and, and will continue to do so. So give me some thoughts about where UNLV is right now. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And I would have had the conversation a lot uh, since uh, Tuesday. And, uh, you know, my thing is, is like, look, if you would have told any of those fans that are complaining now that they were going to win nine games, play in the conference championship game, and go to a bowl game against a big, up against, against a Power Five program, they would have been like, sign me up. Where do I do that? That's crazy. They'd probably bet against you. Like, you know what I mean? They, they would say there's no way that that's even going to happen. So I think you got to take what happened this year and be so stoked if you're a UNLV fan because that was unreal. And, and the biggest thing, too, is like we, we did see the last year with Marcus Arroyo there right on the verge of you know being bowl eligible uh, in terms of reaching the six-win mark at least. But even then, it just it didn't feel like there was progress. It didn't feel like a good program. It just didn't seem like there was any way that they were going to continue to kind of uh, progress and, and, and go continue to move up and, and possibly have a chance to really compete, uh, you know, in the conference or for bowl eligibility. Whereas now Barry comes in, does what he does this first year, that offense, the go-go offense, so fun to watch. It gives defenses fit. You see the recruiting and, you know, they're recruiting locally, first of all, but also just on a recruiting scale wise, you know, they're one of the top programs recruiting wise in the mountain West, um, you know, and, and getting attention from kids all over the country too. And, and Barry has come in and I think legitimized this program, what they do, and he's kind of put them on course to continue to do that and set a standard that, like, hey, we're here to win and we're here to compete for championships and go to bowl games each and every year. You hear it from the players. They said when he first arrived, we are going to play for championships. It wasn't in five years, three years, whatever. It was this year we are going to play for a championship, and he delivered on that. And it's something that feels like is repeatable, they got a lot of young guys on the team. Ricky White's coming back. Jaden Mayava's coming back. Those two are a dynamic duo. Again, the defense, we all know, needs some help. There were some miscommunications in that game that led to a lot of the issues on the deep ball. Other times, look, they just got beaten coverage, and you got to fix that and coach that up. But overall, 
this program and like where it's going is in such a better spot than it was a year a year ago or possibly you know within the last 20 years so like rebels fans have to be so happy with where things are going and if i'm them like i'm fired up for next season to see how they follow it up uh you know and what kind of competition they really put out there in terms of not only playing in the conference championship game, but like having a legit shot to possibly win it. Yeah, keep it in perspective. Uh, program definitely on the rise, and it has not been in a better uh, spot uh, for decades. There's no question about that. Jesse Merrick joins us uh, from News 3. All right, Jess, let's talk a little Raiders. Been on a nice yeah. little roll. I mean, last time we saw them at Allegiant Stadium, they put up 63, and then they uh, got that uh, shocking victory over Kansas City. How surprised were you that the Raiders went into KC and uh, got the job done? Yeah, you know, like the whole week, I had like this weird feeling. I talked to so many different people leading up to that Chiefs game, and so many people, even people locally, but like people that cover the team, that are kind of no BS. They don't like, you know, oh, the Raiders going to win this game in every single game. Like, if they're not those type of people, they they were like, you know what? I think I think the Raiders are going to beat the Chiefs. And I and I was like, kind of pulling that line behind, like, okay, my gut tells me they could, but I was like, I don't know, I don't believe it. I don't think they will. I think it'll be competitive though. Then they come out and do what they did. The most impressive thing to me is the way that they're winning with their defense right now, and the fact that Aiden O'Connell did not complete a pass after the first quarter. And they still beat the Chiefs. Again, I go back to what I said with the Rebels. If, if I'd have told you you were a Raiders fan and I said, Aiden O'Connell's not going to complete a pass past the first quarter and you guys are going to win, they'd be like, yeah, no way. You know what I mean? Um, and I know the Chiefs aren't what they used to be and they're going through some issues and they don't have the same like you know embarrassment or riches in terms of the receiving core and whatnot. But, uh, man, I mean, that's still a good football team. They still have Pat Mahomes. And that defense harassed him, had him on the run nonstop, made him – make, you know, I guess uncharacteristic mistakes from previous years, what we've seen, because he's obviously thrown a handful of interceptions this year. I believe he's got 17 now, uh, if I remember right off the top of my head. But just so impressed with what we've seen from this defense since Antonio Pierce has uh, taken over. They've turned themselves into a top-10 defense. And over the years, we've talked about, like, man, if the Raiders could just get a serviceable defense, not a top-10 defense, a serviceable defense, they will be good because their offense will be able to win them games if they can just do that and defense can keep them in it. Well, now it's the flip side, and the defense is legit. They are a legit top-10 team. Many guys along the defensive line have emerged. It's not just Max Crosby running the show anymore. Malcolm Kuntz is really coming into his own, and he's followed it up with a handful of really good weeks. you got uh, Adam Butler. you got Bilal Nichols down there in the interior. They've also started moving Tyree Wilson around. He's playing on the interior as well, and that's kind of unlocked him after a bit of a slow start. So it's cool because they're kind of coming in waves uh, defensively. And so the, the momentum that they have on that side of the ball is unreal to be able to overcome some of the issues that they're having on offense. And I'd say, you know, if they run it back with this coaching staff, with the GM, all this stuff, I think the offense will make strides. It's just a matter of figuring things out in terms of a play caller. Will it be Bo Hardigree? Who knows? But, man, really impressed with the Raiders and the way that they were able to win that game because uh, I thought if they were going to beat the Chiefs, it was going to be one of those kind of shootout type of games where you have to uh, hit them with all kinds of chunk plays and deep shots. But that wasn't there, and they managed to win a gritty game against a good team uh, with their defense, and that was super impressive. All credit to the defense. 
in that game for the Raiders against the Chiefs. The defense took it to the Chiefs. They were more physical. They made the plays when they needed to. And let's and yeah. and, and for me, it's all about Spillane. Spillane has been fantastic uh-huh. uh, for that team with the other guys that you mentioned as well too. But uh, the, the defense carried him to victory in that game. Now the Raiders will go to Indianapolis. So you go Kansas City, Indianapolis, tough back-to-back weeks here. And, uh, you know, we know that the, the Raiders had this the same game a couple years ago, right, in Indianapolis. Yeah. And now, but you got Gardner Minshew, who's been a decent backup for the Colts, a guy with much more experience than Aiden O'Connell. And even though the, the Colts fell last week, I mean, this is a very dangerous team here. Uh, what do you anticipate seeing coming up uh, this weekend with the Raiders and the Colts? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people probably, you know, after seeing the 63 points and then beating the Chiefs, probably think, oh, okay, the Raiders are going to go into Indy and roll over the Colts. But, like, this is a huge game for them. They're at 8-7, and seven, right in the mix to win their division. I believe it's a three-way tie atop uh, the AFC South. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's a tight race for them. This is a meaningful game for the Colts. Like you said, Gardner's been playing well. You know, this is a team that, uh, you know, is just getting things done, and it's not like a pushover team by any means. Jonathan Taylor's back, so it's always tough stopping a guy like him. Um, you know, so the Raiders are going to need a performance much like they did against the Chiefs, uh, you know, and the Broncos, I mean, uh, and the uh, Chargers as well, uh, you know, to be able to come away with a win. And, and it's crazy because a couple weeks ago, I think the Raiders had like a 1.5% chance to make it into the playoffs. Now I think it's up to like 13.5% or something. But, uh, you know, crazier things have happened. They could win this game, and then it could be a win and you're in against the Broncos situation. But I think, I think we're gonna, the thing we've seen since Antonio Pierce has taken over is that the Raiders are competitive in every single game. So that's what I expect to see this time around. I don't think they're going to blow the Colts out, but I'd be confident in saying that they're going to win this game. Um, you know, and it's probably going to be defensively again because that side of the ball is just playing with uh, some kind of crazy swagger. They've they got to be able to bottle that up and – and repurpose it every week. And so far they've done it, uh, you know, really three times in a row out of the bye week. If you look at the fact that they held Minnesota to just three points, the offense just couldn't get on the board. You know, big news today, and you mentioned uh, Denver next week for the Raiders. Uh, we we're pr- more than likely not going to see Russell Wilson. He, his time is yeah. probably done in, in Denver, especially this season, as they're going to Jared Stidham, the former Raiders backup, is now going to get the start this week for the Broncos. So uh, Russell Wilson, just uh, enough is enough <laughs> in the mind of Sean Payton. This did not click. We saw and heard about the argument that they had going back uh, the prior game uh, the week before, and then Wilson was was downright awful again. And, you know, you look at Russell Wilson's stats and you say, wow, this guy had, you know, very impressive. It was like 30 touchdowns and what, six interceptions, whatever it is. Pretty impressive. And you look at the yardage. Yeah, fantastic. But just holding on to the ball too long, ill-advised decisions, and it all came to fruition last week where it was just downright ugly. And Sean Payton says enough is enough. And you just, you know, this is kind of like, when you say, Jesse, the situation with Josh McDaniel and Derek Carr, where Peyton yeah. says, I'm inheriting this guy, I'm going to try to work with this guy, but you know what? He's not my guy. No, 100% true. Uh, you know, and, and it's kind of wild, actually, as an aside, that Jared Stidham took over for Derek Carr when yeah. they did that here in Vegas, and then Jared Stidham goes and signs with the Broncos and finds himself in the same exact situation a year later. Just kind of wild how things kind of come full circle for him after he'd gone so long without getting a start when he played in New England uh, prior to that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, that's a crazy situation, man. But, look, the one thing I can say, I was actually just having that conversation with a friend of mine about Russell Wilson and the whole, you know, deal there in Denver. And, 
I think it was just a matter of like the guy's head maybe got a little too big and that looks to be like it's taken away on the field, you know, because I thought that he was going to be a perfect fit for the situation there in Denver with Sean Payton and what he'd done. I mean, we obviously saw what he did with Drew Brees and Russ and Drew Brees have a game that is somewhat similar. And I thought that we were going to, you know, see this Denver team all of a sudden turn into what I think a lot of people thought they were going to be over the years, especially with the pieces that they had had on defense. But kudos to, you know, them and Sean Payton for the day. I'm like, look, man, this just isn't going to work. We got to cut our losses and move forward uh, and, not, you know, continue to just live in the situation that you are because of what the financials are. So, uh, you know, I'm real curious to see, you know, what ends up happening for the Broncos moving forward because it's within the Raiders division and, and what they end up doing at quarterback next year, um, you know, because it, in this league, if you don't have a quarterback, you're probably not going to win. And, uh, you know, so it seems like they're going to be willing to move on from him and do probably whatever it takes to be able to get their guy. Uh, I'd imagine Sean Payton will be aggressive in doing so, and that's the situation the Raiders are also going to be in because, you know, look, Aiden O'Connell has showed some flashes, but I think he's probably not going to be the guy moving forward, and I think they're probably going to be pretty aggressive in trying to get a quarterback of their own, so it's going to be a bit of a quarterback's arms race uh, moving forward, obviously around the NFL with so many different injuries and things like that, but just specifically in the AFC West as well uh, between the Broncos and the Raiders. So real curious to see what the future of the division looks like for those two teams. Uh, you know, if they're able to find a quarterback, but definitely just a wild situation. You know, you look back at the the haul that it took to get Russell Wilson and, and everything that gave away for him, uh, you know, and now it looks like that's probably one of the worst trades, you know, in NFL history, definitely within the history of the Broncos. Um, you know, so it's just crazy how things can happen and how fast things can go south. Yeah, more backup quarterbacks uh, taking the stage. Raiders a 10% chance to make the playoffs right now. If they get the victory at Indy, it raises to about 27%. And then uh, you got the Broncos. You never know. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's still a long, long shot, but we'll see what happens, my friend. All right, Jess, appreciate the time. Uh, did you take a picture of that steak that you were telling me about where you're in Phoenix? I, I need to see some food <laughs> pictures. I hope you took a picture. I did, I did. I'll, I'll send you a picture. I got to see though. it, man. There you go. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, as we head into New Year's, Jess, you know, try to take, you know, maybe a little bit more time off and give give some of the workload to B-Sal. All right? Yeah. Pa- pass All right. it all off to B-Sal. Takes, Come on. Yeah. This guy, I hope he's listening. This guy takes a whole week off. We'll just ignore the fact that I took, like, a whole week off around Thanksgiving. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, no, he, he's going to be coming back to work. We'll actually be getting back to work on uh on New Year's Eve and everything like that. But then I'm actually taking a, a nice little break myself as well, and we'll have uh, uh, about five days off. Uh, going to go take a quick little vacation before diving back into everything. So I'm going to get some time, probably eat a couple more steaks and, and enjoy myself. Yeah, boy. All right, well-deserved, my friend. Appreciate the time, Jess. Take care. Yes, yeah, sir. You too, my man. You got it. Jesse Merrick over at News 3. want to thank him for joining us today.